everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you our flagship show. Yes, I normally don't do this, but we have a little bit of a staff shortage right now. Our guy, Tommy Adams, was off doing a little vacationing. I Need No Name and Samarin have been really tied up with outside BFW things. And the rest of our staffers also just had some trouble linking up. So what better way to kick off today, being Monday, the day before Bayern Munich faces off with FC Köln, than to have me, right? This is exciting. You guys get an extra dose of me, as if you didn't get enough of me doing the preview show and the weekend warm-up last week. You got me on the flagship show for a rare appearance. So I'm happy to be here. I'm absolutely thrilled to talk to some to some of you. I know that, ah, I shouldn't say some of you, I'm thrilled to talk to all of you. Who am I kidding? But I do want to say, like, I don't usually get to do this because I'm off doing so many other things for the site and for the other podcast shows. So getting a chance to talk to the flagship audience where I started, this is the show that I helped start. Jake and myself did this a long time ago. I'm really happy to be back doing it. It just doesn't happen that much for scheduling. And and of course, like, I don't want to oversaturate our our podcast network with just my voice. I want to have you know, so many other talented podcasters and writers get a chance to come on here and for you to get an introduction to them, to learn more about them and to get their insights. Because quite frankly, while some of my takes are good, uh, some of you let me know when they're bad. So uh, it's always great to have that different perspective, but I'm coming at such a weird time and we will talk about the absolute weirdest of all weird at the end of this episode. And by me, by that, I mean the future of Bavarian football works and the future of Bavarian podcast works. We will touch on all of that. I know there are some people that are interested to see what is going to happen given all of the news that broke last Friday from SB Nation and Vox Media. Of course, we were a part of it, so we will touch on all of that. You know we love to be very transparent around here and give you what's going on with us, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, so we will absolutely let you in on all of that. But there was also the match against RB Leipzig, which I want to touch on. There were more rumors about Harry Kane and Kai Havertz. We will get to all of that. So where do you start with all of this news? Well, for certain, I want to start with the Arbe Leipzig result. And when I watched the match, I saw some flashes of good things, but there was a lot of choppiness. This looked like a team that did not have a lot of time to get on the same page. Now, you would think, given, given the amount of time that they had to work together and the fact that they ended the Hinronda successfully, that the transition back would have been a lot more smooth. But it just was not. And I don't know if it's because the lineups have changed so much from the beginning of the season in terms of people coming in, people coming out, injuries, partnerships haven't developed. Whatever the case, Bayern Munich did not look in sync. And there were a couple of things that were concerning to me. Now, I'm not coming out of that match thinking that Everything is bad. Byron is doomed. The 1-1 draw result is awful. No. I mean, I'm not going to overreact like that. But what I will say is that the choppiness in play definitely put up a red flag for me because we have seen this before. And it was good that in the Hinrunda, when things started out that way and they went, Byron went through that rough stretch, they were able to get back on the same page and they were able to rebound and really pull together and finish the first half of the season off nicely. The problem is 
in this situation, we see that Bayern Munich is now without Sadio Mane, who's out injured. And Mane, of course, no matter how you feel about the first half of his season, I didn't think it was particularly great. He is going to play and he will be an unquestioned starter no matter what. I think that whatever deal he took to come to Bayern Munich, I think there were some assurances made that he was not going to be in the mix with the rest of the wings in terms of sitting out or taking a rotation off. I think Mane, when he is healthy, will be back full time. So you have this situation created with the wingers where, you know, you have Kingsley Coman and Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry right away, right now, just one of them is going to have to be out. When Mane comes back, there's going to have to be two. But either way, I don't think there's been a lot of chemistry with the wingers and the particular side they've been playing on developing any type of relationship with the midfielders, with the striker, which has also been a bit of a revolving door. It it just looked out of sync against Leipzig. And part of that is Leipzig is a very good team and they made Bayern Munich very uncomfortable for stretches of that match. But part of it is that I just don't think any Bayern Munich players have really settled in. So when I look at how the team was able to really play together on the field, I, I didn't come away impressed, but I'm again, I'm not super worried about it. This is the kind of thing that's going to evolve and get better over the course of the second half of the season. Some of the other things that I did not like that I saw, I did not like the communication and positioning uh, of the back line for the entirety of the match. I thought they did some very solid things. But again, like I, I think Alfonso Davies, for all of his talents and how good he is, how he wanders so far from his position definitely leaves that back line prone. And with Benjamin Pavar kind of being in uncertainty at this point, you know, you never question his professionalism or you never want to question how invested he is in Bayern Munich, but he's also openly talked about leaving the club. So where his mind is at, and especially after the disastrous run he had with France, where he was a starter and then was benched the rest of the tournament after the first game for all intents and purposes, uh, we don't know where he's at mentally. We don't know what's going on with him and what's really on his agenda for the second half of the season. And with Nusar Mizrawi out, uh, Pavar, while I didn't think he was necessarily bad against Leipzig, it does make me a little iffy about how this is going to go in the second half of the season for him. Because unlike a lot of people, while I thought Mizrawi was solid, I didn't think he was any type of game breaker when he did play some games there at the end of the Hinrunda. He was good, but he wasn't. So, you know, world-class in my mind. So, I mean, this whole situation we have with that, with those two alone, is it's very complicated. But now you also have Diopa Makano and Matthias Delict trying to work together. And while I think they both are just exceptional individual talents, that partnership is going to have to, it's going to have to get better. And it's going to take time. And unfortunately for Bayern Munich, you don't get a lot of time to work these things out in training because of just how condensed this schedule is going to be. So the communication, the spacing, uh, where players were on the field in the back line, I just didn't think it was great. Uh, I think it could be a lot better. And I do anticipate that that will get better as well. Joshua Kimmich, I think, you know, again, he took a lot of heat because he wasn't great in this game. He there are times when he looks like a little disheveled, a little worn down, where he's just not quite himself. And I honestly think it's because every coach that he has, whether it's Hansi Flick with the national team or Julian Nagelsmann here, they're scared to put him on the bench when he absolutely needs it. 
Joshua Kimmich, and I've been beating this drum for two to three years now, is going to wear himself out. He is putting so much mileage on his legs right now. And it's not just his legs and, and his, that look tired. I mean, his body is getting beat up. He plays a physical position. And mentally, I didn't think he was as quick with his decision-making as he has shown to be in the past. I didn't think he made the best decisions. Sometimes I thought he rushed them. Other times I thought he was too late in processing the play. And, yeah, that's a valid criticism for a lot of players in that match. But when Joshua Kimmich is your keystone player, he is the one that holds the offense and the defense together. He is the future captain. He is the one who almost never comes off the pitch. He needs to be better. And for him to be better, I honestly believe he just needs more rest. Even if it's taking a half hour every couple of games and yanking him out early, I think Nagelsmann has to do something to keep Kimmich not just healthy but mentally fresh. And it's it, to me, this is a big problem. Of all the things in this match, this is the one that concerns me. It's not because I don't think Kimmich will rebound and have a great game against FC Colton. He will. But this kind of wear and tear takes its toll. And with so many big matches here in the second half, I am a little worried about Kimmich, where he stands mentally and physically, and how worn down he is. I guess the final thing that really, to me, was a problem was how the offense flowed and functioned, how the attack was able to work. Now, one of the things that's different in this second half, and this is a generational change for a lot of people, is that Jamal Musiala will now be manning that 10 position over Thomas Muller. And it does not appear as though that Muller is going to be able to find a way to break back into that starting 11 consistently. Uh, We have heard that Nagelsmann doesn't want to play him on the wings, We have heard that they really see him as a number nine now. And at this point, he's the second choice number nine behind Eric Maxim Chupo-Moting, who is still finding a way to score. But let's be honest, I I don't think this is a long-term solution, either Muller or Chupo-Moting at the nine. So um, while Chupo-Moting is putting up some nice stats, I don't know that he's the threat that Bayern Munich needs at that nine position. And I certainly don't think Thomas Muller is. I just don't think he looks comfortable there. But the thing that Bayern Munich looked like they were missing against RB Leipzig is that control, that guidance on the field, the the ability to drag defenders into different areas to open up space for other people, the ability to exploit that space with short diagonal runs and being able to make quick decisions on the ball in the final third that Muller really specialized in I, I don't think it was there. It was, I mean, aside of the imprecise crosses and passing and aside of just the fact that they did not look on the same page, as I've said several times, I think they did miss Thomas Muller out there. And I don't know what the solution is at this point because what Bayern Munich needs him for, he can't do from the nine position. He can't dictate play and guide the attack as the nine. He As the nine, he has to be the finisher, the focal point of it. And I think that's why, He hasn't worked in that role for either Germany or Bayern Munich because his style of play now is not to be the focal point of the offense, to be the danger in the attack. His role, as it has evolved over the years, is to be the point guard, to set everyone else up. And and right now, that was what a glaring hole in Bayern's attack was. There was no one filling that. Now, Musiala, for all of his great things, he is a straight attacker and he can create for other people, but that's... His not really his specialty to, to run point guard in this kind of thing. 
If you want to make the basketball analogy, I think of Musiala as a dynamic two guard, someone that can slash his way to the basket or hit you, beat you from long range. I'm not seeing him as the point guard who who is able to dictate the offense and have the other players react to what he's doing, like has happened so many other times with Thomas Muller. So I am worried about that part of the attack. And listen, I'm not going to call for Musiala to go to the bench. He's obviously right now probably, well, he's, I, in my opinion, he's a better player at this moment than Thomas Muller. But I think it is a fair question to ask, is Bayern Munich going to be able to function at its peak offensively without Thomas Muller? Because I do think he brings so much more out of his teammates than just about anybody else on this roster can do. So that'll definitely be a development that we're going to follow. And it will lead nicely into this part of the show, which I'm going to do a quick preview on the FC Cole match. Now, if you are looking for a huge rebound after that Arbe Leipzig, uh, which some people are calling a debacle, I'm just calling it an unfortunate result, um, I will tell you that I think you're going to get that. Because I do think, one, Bayern Munich's supremely talented, way better than FC Cole. And I think that Bayern is going to look to want to make a statement here. And we'll talk a little bit about what who I think will end up in the starting 11. But first, I just want to take a quick look at the table and, and assess where these teams are. Byron, of course, even after the draw against Leipzig through 16 match days, they have 10 losses, five draws, and just one loss in the league, which is still, I mean, it's pretty outstanding. 50 goals for, 14 against, 35 points. In their last five matches, Byron has four wins and one draw. As for FC Cone, well, it's interesting. They are having a up and down kind of season. It's been <clears throat> some good, some bad, but they reside in 11th place through 16 matches with five wins, five draws, and six losses, 28 goals for, 30 against for 20 points. And it's the same point amount as Mainz. But through its last five games, uh, FC Cone has one win, one draw, and three losses. Last week, FC Cone exploded for seven goals against Werder Bremen. So uh, they're coming into this match confident and riding high. It'll be up to the Bayern Munich back line to get it together and slow down this juggernaut of a Cone offense. And and I'm not meaning that as disrespect, but you know how it goes with a team that's hot. When any type of attack, and I don't care what your opinion of, of FC Cone is, if they're confident and they're scoring at that kind of rate, they're going to believe they have a chance this week against Bayern Munich, and they're going to fight hard and not just roll over like we've seen so many other teams do. I mean, I think FC Köln, while, listen, they're not at the same depth, they don't have the same overall talent as Bayern Munich, they're a feisty bunch, they're a proud bunch, and even though they are really kind of residing in the middle of the pack there, I think that they do pose a little bit of a threat to Bayern Munich. So I'm not coming into this overconfident by any means. I think that Cone is game. I think they're willing. But I do think that Bayern Munich is going to wear them down and get the win here. But let's take a look at who Julian Nagelsmann might start. Because this, of course, is the biggest question <laughs> that most Bayern fans have at this point. Because he's got so many options. Uh, of course, we know that Build at this point has predicted a return to Thomas to the starting eleven for Thomas Muller. Not quite sure that's going to happen. So I'll, even though Build probably has a little bit of inside info 
on this. I'm probably going to stray in a different direction, but let's just get it started. I'll predict Jan Sommer as, a, as the starting goalkeeper. Of course, why not? He needs to get some game time, start to build that relationship with his back line and start that communication to make sure that everyone is aligned and on the same page. Uh, the center back duo, again, for the same rationale, I think it's going to be Matthijs De Ligt and Dio Upamakano. I don't think Nagelsmann wants to run the risk of wearing either one of them down at this point, but I do think he recognizes that the two that the two players need to work together a little more if Byron wants to have any chance of slowing down PSG in a few weeks. So I think that the center back duo will, will remain the same. Same for the outside backs, Alfonso Davies and Benjamin Pavar, I believe will both get a start. I need to see a little bit more out of both players. Uh, just really wasn't, like I said, I didn't think they were necessarily bad or anything like that against Leipzig, but I expect more out of both of them, and I think they both can be better than they were in that match. As for the midfield, as much as I would like to see Joshua Kimmich get some downtime, that's not going to happen. I think we will see the duo of Kimmich and Leon Goretzka brought back. I thought Goretzka actually had himself a good game, and he's been against Leipzig, and he's been getting a decent amount of heat lately uh, about his performances. I know that some Bayern fans right now are are just about ready to move on from him, and with the imminent uh, signing of Conrad Limer on the table. It'll be interesting what the future holds for Goretzka. But either way, this week, we will see that duo again, Goretzka and Kimmich. I'm sure that they are going to look to want to have a better game as a duo than they did against Leipzig. And of course, I I think Goretzka was better than Kimmich in that match. As for the attack, this is where all of the questions are. I think we're going to see Eric Maxim Chupomoting come come through again and start as the nine. As long as he's getting that one goal a game, I think Nagelsmann is absolutely going to continue to start. Now, I, I don't think that Chupo was necessarily great in that match, and I think you could tell by the the shot totals. I. I I don't think his movements were all that effective, but listen, he got onto the end of, I believe it was the uh, cross from uh, Serge Gnabry. Really, honestly, could have been shot, but it was probably a cross, given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, He got on the end of it, and it was, to me, like a really, uh, it was a sensational play. It was really the highlight of the match for me. But uh, he's got that great touch around the net, and until he starts to slump a little bit, I think you have to ride him. At the 10 position, I think it's going to be Jamal Musiala. I know that Bill thinks Musiala is going to get pushed out to a wing. Listen, I'm probably going to be wrong with this, but I don't see it happening just yet. I think that Kingsley Coman, who did not start against Leipzig, will probably get some run here. And I think it's going to be Leroy Sané that takes a seat on the bench for this game. I think we'll see Serge Gnabry once more. I don't really think Gnabry was all that great against Leipzig. I I don't think Sané was all that great either. I mean, honestly, none of the three wings were really all that, you know, spectacular. But I do think Coman will get the start, and I think he will start with Gnabry. I think this will be the way that things go for a little bit. You know, it's tough. You know, I, I honestly, when I look at this, I don't want to even put Sane down, but I'm just trying to think outside the box here of what Nagelsmann might do to try and rest some of his key players. And I think if Sane doesn't start, he will get a fair amount of run, at least a half hour, probably coming on for Gnabry or or Coman. But, um, you know, I just at this point think that it will be Gnabry and Coman. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably wrong, like I said, but. 
the biggest thing is Musiala again starting at the 10 and Muller starting on the bench. That's what I think will happen. Uh, again, Bill disagrees with me and they're probably right. As for a prediction, I do, you know, I put my prediction in the weekend warm up column on the website. I said for nothing, still kind of feel that way. Uh, I think it's going to be a hard fought for nothing. And you're probably like, jackass, how is it going to be hard fought with 4 I think Colin is going to make this tough at the beginning. And I just think that Byron's speed and overwhelming talent is going to take its toll. I think they'll probably get out to a strong 2 nothing lead at some point and then tack on a couple of semi-late goals, maybe the last 25 minutes of the match. They'll knock, knock in a couple of extras uh, to make the the difference in the match. But I just think that Byron is going to bounce back in a way that's going to alleviate some of the concern that fans might have had after Leipzig. They're a great team. There's no denying it. They're going to be ups and downs during the season. And I, of course, like I might not be as high on them as a lot of people are, but even with that, I'm recognizing just the talent level of this team, how good they can be. And I believe that Nagelsmann is a good coach who's not going to let this team fall into any kind of rut. And believe me, if they draw against Cole or if they lose, it will, I mean, there will be alarms sounding everywhere. Uh, Fans will be freaking out. BFW will probably be like a massive brawl in the comments. Uh, But either way, I think that Byron is going to win this match. I'm not really expecting them to lose or even have a draw on this, but I respect Colin a lot. I do. I think they're a good team in this league and I think they've got some quality on their own end. And I, you know, this is one of those matches that could be a problem if Byron looks ahead. So I would anticipate Nagelsmann keeping them focused and making sure that that does not happen aside of the game action of course we always see Byron attached to different players and transfer rumors and just to touch on quickly some of the the bigger names that we saw we did see rumors emerge linking Harry Kane to Bayern Munich once again and it's this is so back and forth and I've been down this road a million times I I don't believe it's ever going to happen the most recent news is that Kane, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's going to re-sign a contract with Tottenham Hotspur, which is fully what I expect him to do. I think, you know, I've said this before, he's an Englishman through and through. I don't think he's going to leave England anytime soon. If he does leave Tottenham, it's probably going to be for another top-end team, you know, Man City, Liverpool, United, somebody like that. I, I can't see, I just can't see him making the jump to Germany just yet. Or ever, really, because I don't think it's in the plans for him. I mean, it's a huge lifestyle change. It's a language barrier. There's just a lot with that. And as much as Byron likes him, and as much as fans would probably go nuts uh, in Munich for this, I just can't see it happening. The one move that I actually predicted to happen, which was Kai Havertz moving from Chelsea to Byron over the summer, got poo-pooed this week. Uh, of course, Sport One's Carrie Howell, who I think is just – a brilliant journalist. I think he does a tremendous job covering the team. And I, listen, off like you know, off topic a little bit. I think Byron has a lot of good, informed journalists covering the team right now. And the club might not necessarily agree with that, but I do think the kicker, build, uh, sport one—they're all doing just a tremendous job with this with the coverage, and they're not just with interviews and not just transfer rumors, but they're getting the stories. They're getting the rationale behind some of the things that are happening. It's not always on the record rationale, which I know that pisses off a lot of 
readers, a lot of listeners to be at BFW, especially, but it does happen. And I, I think that the, the current crop of full-time journalists covering this team on a daily basis, I think it's, I think they're doing a tremendous job anyway, off my soapbox on that, but Carrie Hal um, reported that the, the Havertz move won't happen. Byron's really not considering him. And there are a lot of reasons why it wouldn't happen, right? If you view him as I do as a natural number 10, well, that position's taken by Jamal Musiala. If you view him as a wing, which some people do, uh, I mean, where do you fit him in? I mean, you have so many options at the wing, especially if you include Matisse Tell as one of uh, a potential uh, one of that potential group of players there, I think that it doesn't make sense there either. Now, could Havertz play the eight? Sure, he could. Right now, you have Leon Goretzka there. You're bringing Conrad Limer, which you know he could be a six or an eight. You have Kimmich who can play the eight. You have Gravenberg who the club sees as a ten, but could play eight as well. You don't need Kim. You don't need Kai Havertz there. So where would you play Kai Havertz if you wanted him? The only solution is at the number nine, which. Just happens to be an open spot for Bayern Munich at this point. Now, while I totally respect Kerry Howe's journalism, I believe he's got his information correct. It would not shock me if he was misled by someone who was trying to throw this, throw the trail of journalists, throw the journalists off the trail of Bayern hooking up with Kai Havertz. Would not shock me if it still wouldn't shock me if it happens in the summer. I think. Price-wise, he would be an attainable player for Bayern Munich. The fact that he is likely going to at least get some time as Germany's number nine in the near future here will make him an intriguing prospect. And I do think toward the end of the World Cup, he obviously was able to show what he can do with that position. And I laid out the reasons in, in my piece on this, why I thought, I mean, he is exceptionally fast, uh, which he doesn't get any credit for. It's always kind of amazing that he doesn't, He's not viewed as the speedster, but he's hit the top speed of 35 kilometers per hour. So I don't know why he's not regarded that way. To me, uh, you know, he's got the body type. He's a taller guy, six foot three. I mean, he's not an overly big muscular fella, but, you know, with some work, his physique could get stronger in a way that will help him be able to battle the rigors of that position as a number nine. I'm not even championing him for this, all right? It's not like that's the guy I want to be Byron's number nine. He wouldn't be my pick. I just think there have been so many links over the past few years with Byron and Havertz that there definitely was mutual interest at one point. Um, And the fact that that Havertz is pretty much positionless right now might make him open to exploring such a role. So I, I think that Bayern Munich, sometimes when these stories come out, they do an excellent job of combating rumors. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if there is some movement on this one way or the other uh, as the months go on and we get closer to the summer transfer window. I just think at some point Kai Havertz is going to play for Bayern Munich. And, you know, with Jamal Musiala manning the 10, it's not going to be there. So the number nine is probably the position where we would see him and, you know, it's it's not a foregone conclusion that Byron's going to work out a deal with Eric Max and Chupo Moting. It's not like Thomas Muller is going to all of a sudden develop into this world-class number nine either at his age. Uh, there are plenty of other options out there where, you know, who Bayern Munich could pursue. But I think there is some, at least some thought on Sabiner Strasse that, that Havertz could be a solution there. I do think they do want to see a little more out of him. And I think they'll probably see more of him working with the German national team than at Chelsea in terms of what he can do at the number nine position. So it'll probably be a situation where they are watching him 
seeing how he performs when given opportunities for both club and country and seeing how that all goes. I, I still won't be shocked, despite Kerry Howell's report, uh, if Bayern Munich makes a, a move for Kai Havertz. Now, finally, the the elephant in the room, and I addressed this on our site earlier today, uh, the future of BFW. Uh, let's get at this first and foremost out of the way. Bavarian Podcast Works has, for all intents and purposes, been canceled. And it's not because it's performed poorly or that the content sucks. Maybe it does. I mean, in my opinion, it's pretty good, but who knows? Uh, we have had good numbers. We have been awarded the best uh, club podcast from World Soccer Talk, which is, to me, one of the great honors that we've had uh, as a site, as a podcast over the years. Uh, it's great. We're still thrilled about that acknowledgement. Um, but unfortunately, if you are anyone who has ever worked in corporate America or in business anywhere, layoffs and that kind of thing are an unfortunate and never timely, uh, event. And for so many people at SBN and Vox, they were directly affected. They were laid off and let go. And with so that amount of personnel being let go, there was going to be some fallout in other areas and, our podcast was one of them, and many of the podcasts were cut. In addition, a lot of the uh, MLS sites were cut. So many sites across the network were cut. So many people were let go. And I, I will say, as someone who has been laid off in his career from other places, I have absolutely you know, gone through it. It sucks. And you know, when you get laid off, there's the mixed feeling of sadness, anger, and then what do I do next? And you know, for those people, I feel for you. And, you know, I've been there and there's no easy way to approach it. There's, there's no solution for what to do next. You just have to persevere, keep working and, and focus on the things that made you a talent and, and really try and build from there and get back on track. For us, we're going through that as a podcast group because no, I feel like we have a very good show or a very good network of shows. I feel like we have some very talented people talking to you guys a few times every week, and we love doing it. Obviously, none of us is is getting rich off of this podcast. I mean, that is for sure. We're doing this because we love doing it. We love the interaction. And I think for a lot of us, it's a good outlet to be able to talk about things that we really enjoy. And for me, if you listen to my shows, I... I 100% focus on Byron during every show, but I also touch on some of the personal things that go on in my life. I talk about the shows that I'm watching, any movies I might watch. So I enjoy doing that. And I enjoy the relationships I've made through the show. There are quite a few people that I interact with on Twitter or via email or on the site who, you know, I wouldn't have had the experience of interacting with. So for me, it's been a great way to network with some people and, and really forge some bonds and relationships that people I would have never met in my life. So I thoroughly enjoy this. I know our staffers do. So what are we going to do next? Uh, we are going to push forward. We will probably continue to publish on this platform for the next month. Uh, I believe it's February 23rd is our, the end of our contract date. We will absolutely be seeking a new home and we have several irons in the fire but as I put in my post, it's a very difficult thing. And in some respects, you know, doing a website independently or on your own is much different and way harder than a podcast. So 
we are extremely lucky that we're just worrying about this end of our product. Uh, if it was the website, you know, we'd be in a whole hell of a lot more trouble. And, you know, with the podcast, there are several different hosting platforms that we're looking at. We're in discussions with a couple of different groups and we would love to be settled in, you know, this week. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it'll take a month. I don't know if it will be longer, but we will continue to persevere and work on it and work out a solution so that we can keep this going. And again, uh, you know, we'll have to gauge what makes sense for us and, and what makes sense for our listeners and where we can best do this and, and what partner might be best for us to work with. Uh, if we go fully independently, which is also a possibility, it will be tough. And there will be some front end investments that will have to be made, uh, you know, by our staffers, probably most likely me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've got a lot of options. We will continue on with the podcast for now. The site is also not going anywhere. Uh, you know, the thing that worries me is the person that manages the site. And this is me. I'm just talking right now. I'm not, this is no corporate speak. This is me just being honest with our community. It worries me that, you know, when people on the staff get this type of bad news, there's often a negative reaction where they feel betrayed. They feel like they could be next and it does distract them and take them away from what they do best. And that's, you know, what I believe is right and discuss Bayern Munich and the German national team. And I'm hoping that as a staff, like we can all stay focused on the task at hand, keep giving our community great content and keep building those relationships. Because even though this is a tough situation, we're losing one big part of what we do, hopefully replacing it soon, but we have lost it at least temporarily, you know, what we want to do is continue to build this whole thing. What this site has become over the years, you wouldn't even understand it if you were on the inside. I mean, we were at one point trucking along and we would be happy if, you know, we were getting, you know, a, a certain amount of, of readers every day. But from where it was just four or five years ago to now, it has exploded. And it's exploded because of all of you out there in the community and how you are invested into Bayern Munich as a club, how you're invested in the German national team, and how you've invested in us as a BFW staff. You trust us that when you read our stuff or you listen to our podcast, it's going to be worth your time. So I'm happy and thankful that all of you have done that. I mean, I'm sure it's all of you that saved us as a site because Honestly, like we're out here, we're trying to do what we do, and we don't know if it's going to be successful. We don't know if it's going to be something that our readers or our community members are going to like. But you guys have responded so well. You've been so great and so generous to us. And yeah, we don't always agree. And I always get kind of get a kick out of it because like people think like if I put an opinion out there and you disagree with it, I don't get mad that you disagree with it. In fact, like a lot of times I know there are going to be thoughts that I have, like just look at my whole My Bad Take series um, that, that aren't going to be popular and that people aren't going to agree with. But I always like hearing what you guys think. I like getting the alternate opinions. I like getting the feedback and what you think works and what doesn't. And to me, that that interaction and that back and forth is what makes this all worthwhile for me personally and I know for the staffers 
Uh, you know, we worked very hard at this. And I think just generate, if you look at the output that we generate, not just, you know, three to four podcasts a week, we're clocking along at 10 to 12 posts per day. We're giving our community as much as we possibly can. Some days we push ourselves to the absolute limit because we believe in what we're doing. And I know a lot, a lot of that gets lost on people. And I'm sure it gets lost on suits and bigwigs who just see the end result, the end numbers. We legitimately, and I, I couldn't stress this enough, while numbers might dictate whether SBN or Vox keep us around, we genuinely don't care. We do things that we want to do, that we find interesting. So yeah, we we cover things we know a lot of people aren't going to be interested in. If you look at our coverage of the youth teams or the Frown, we love covering those. We would cover every game if we had access to them. And we know that some of those posts are, are, you know, they don't draw as many numbers as some of the other stuff that we do. And we're okay with that. And we will continue to do that because that's what we believe in. And that's what we've always been about. It's never been about clickbait or any of that. As I've said many times, when you see a clickbait headline from us, we're doing it tongue in cheek because we know it and we think it's funny and we know that you think it's funny. So for us, this is a true passion project, something that we enjoy doing. And listen, I would love it if Bayern Munich said, we'll acquire you. <laughs> that would be great. We'd all love that. I don't know how they would feel about it, but we would love that. You know, if, if another huge entity came to us and said, hey, we'll take your whole site. We'll take your podcast, everything. And we'll give you a platform and we'll let you guys keep doing what you're doing. We would love that. The reality of the situation is it's probably not going to happen. So for us at BFW, we're going to continue to look at all of our options. We're going to continue to see what we can do next with our podcast. But we're going to be here. We're going to be here delivering the same content that we always do, the same types of stories that we always do, because this is what we enjoy doing. So we're hoping you stay with us. We're hoping that you didn't get affected by that news and that, you know, you don't want to invest your time into us any longer because we're still going to be here and we want to continue to forge those relationships with our readers and our community members and our listeners. We want to keep growing our audience because in the end, if we're able to do that, I think that it's going to give us a, a better chance at working out something for our podcast. And, and maybe even if the unfortunate day comes and, Vox or SBN decide to shutter BFW that maybe there'll be a place where we can land with the site as well. So, you know, we're going to keep our options open. We're going to continue to take a look at things and hopefully be able to get all of this settled and worked out and, and give you guys what you deserve. And that's great Bayern Munich and German national team coverage. So that is about all I have for this flagship episode, especially with this last part that I just talked about. Contact me. Uh, hit me through Twitter, hit me on email, get me through the comment section of the site. I don't care, whatever, however you need to. If you want to discuss this with me, please do. I'm open to all interactions. Hey, if you have better ideas of where we could go or you know someone, or if you're just a rich person who wants to blow some money and do a passion project, I know a great squad of people that would love to do a website and a podcast for you. So uh, of course, you know, I say that a little tongue in cheek, but if any of you are a billionaire out there and, and you want to have some fun, let us know. Uh, as always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweetmeister, Tommy Adams, at Tommy Adams 71. You can get I Need No Name, the mysterious one, at BFWINNN. 
you can get all of our great podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We're working on a solution. Hopefully we get one. And until then, we'll see you next time.